Welcome and get ready for a front row seat on Icons with Ava Johanna, the live show that is raising the bar in the entertainment space worldwide. You're about to be right in the middle of heart-pounding conversations and real-time connection that ignite transformation within. Our global live show stars the industry's powerhouses, visionaries, and cultural icons. Together, we'll walk the path of legendary entrepreneurs, influential business moguls, celebrities, and iconic brand architects. Join the conversation, seize the opportunity to engage directly with icons of their industries, and immerse yourself in an unparalleled learning experience. Icons isn't just a show. It's an opportunity to step into the minds and hearts of industry leaders and run with their advice. So grab your popcorn because this is the space where icons are born. I am so honored, so honored to bring our guest up today. Dr. Tracy Lynn is known as the $100 million woman. And I got to be honest, there's a lot of questions I have today that are going to be selfish. And I know that these are questions that are going to be so beneficial for every single one of you, whether you are on your day one or your day 1000 of being an entrepreneur. So without further ado, I'm going to invite Dr. Tracy Lynn up to join me. I am so excited. Welcome to the show. And for anybody who's here for the first time, Know that Icons is a live show where you are being called to engage in the conversation. So make sure that you ask questions and that you use this opportunity to really get into the mind of the beautiful Dr. Tracy Lynn because she is so wise. She is so brilliant. She has built so many businesses and has supported so many entrepreneurs along the way. So thank you so much for being here. I am so excited for today's conversation. Me too. Me too. Super excited. So this is going to be, I think, for myself personally, a revolutionary conversation because I've done some stalking and I have been diving deep, devouring your content, past podcast interviews. And so I want to give you an opportunity to just briefly share about yourself for anybody that's here live with us or watching the replay, a little bit, a little synopsis of your story and how you got from where you were as a child selling with your grandmother to now today. Um, and then we're going to dive in to all of my questions and leave space for anyone here to ask questions as well. Excellent. Excellent. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. And what a show. I mean, this is absolutely an amazing space. Icons. So, you know, I had to be here. So I was mm -hmm. excited to uh, be invited to be a part of, of the show today. So for me, my grandmother sold uh, clothes and accessories from the trunk of her car. And in my early years, I lived with my grandmother. And instead of me going to Miss Queenie's daycare, my grandmother took me on the road with her and she gave me responsibilities at four. I had to know what customers we were going to see, which makes me really good with knowing names of people and also uh, how much they owed us. So I've been counting money since I was four. Uh, so that was the beginning. And then uh, after college, I went to University of Michigan in Dearborn. After that, I, I really wanted to be a physician. Oh, okay, back that up. My mother wanted me to be a physician. I'm her only <laughs> child. And then every time I saw blood, I fainted. So I knew that wasn't going to work. And I went on and I, I worked for a few companies, but I was falling asleep at my desk by the time I was 20 
four years old. And I said to myself, there had to be more to life than this. That's the question. We all have to come to that place and ask that question. And I asked that question. By 25, I started a um, a private label business and I made a million dollars by the time I was 25. And from there, it, I, I had three iterations of that same business, um, you know, by the time I was 20, 25. So there were so many different iterations of that particular business, but it was always the jewelry. And that led me to here. So I don't want people to think that I just started, boom, hit the hundred million. There were three different starts and stops with the same business. And even before that, three other failed businesses. And then we got to it. Mm, I think it's so important, especially, and, you know, I know that you started in um, direct selling and and product-based businesses and retail, and then went into coaching and mentoring and really supporting other business owners. And so you have such a wide skill set, but also such a different perspective than a lot of people that are just in the coaching industry, for say, or just in um, the information-based space. And so I think it's so valuable because oftentimes when we're in our own echo chamber, we're really not able to gain perspective or, of, or clarity of what is going on outside of the industry that we exist in. And I think that there's so much value because it can really demystify a lot of the things that we think are normal or that we might struggle with. And also we can pull inspiration from as well. And something that I really appreciated you talking about as it related to failed businesses and starting and stopping is that some of these businesses, the point of the business was the actual process, learning the process. And I'd love for you to talk a little bit about that because I think that it's so easy for us to feel like failure means we're not good enough or feel like failure means stop and then go back to your nine to five or go settle for something, even though your heart knows you want to be going in this direction. So how can people who maybe have felt defeated with failure or things haven't necessarily been working to the speed that they expected, look at failure and look at the experiences that they're having and navigating as a process, as you say? Yes. Well, I'm glad you brought that up because that's why I always talk about it. I talk about the entire journey. I don't do a highlight reel because my life is not a highlight reel. And you're 100% right. I, I just got into the coaching space, but yet I've been coaching my, uh, I had a, a, a hundred thousand women who sold my product. So I've been coaching them for many, many years. And that is also a process. So it wasn't until I was out of that space that now because of perspective, I'm in the coaching space. But one thing I always deal with, and this is what we have to deal with, is the mindset. Even when in my early days, I had those failed businesses, I never said I failed. I said failed businesses, because mm. when we take that in and we eat failure. It's hard to cough failure back up. So you don't eat it. That that business was not for me. I was not meant to be a wedding planner, especially when my first client was a bridezilla. So that was clear. <laughs> so I was not meant to do that. And we take those things as signs and they're false 
reading signs. It's just saying you keep going. You're 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 out there. You're going to step out. You're going to find something. But that wasn't it. Then I moved to another business, nail tech. But me, I wanted a whole bunch of nail techs, and I would then place them with salons. Same thing I did when I was 12 years old. I started an agency and I got my friends hired at Burger King and McDonald's and I got a piece of their first check. So there was a theme and we don't look for the themes. Do you see the theme? So we're so busy Mm -hmm. looking at the actual moment. We miss the theme. What is the theme? Okay, I'm not really good just doing a business one to one. But when I do businesses, especially even at 12 and 13, I got all my friends jobs at all those places. And all I did was make a phone call. I could speak at a young age. I could speak and I knew how to involve the people. It was a theme. Everything involved other people. So I took those lessons. That's not where I should be focused. That's not where I should be focused, but I am seeing a theme. And now I'm going to start something with this theme of bringing other people, other women together. But I, I didn't fail. That was a process. And I learned so much. And we should not run from it. Because if we can't take the heat of that in your own business, if you're going to do great things, there's going to be a lot of heat, but you'll have a depth, a well of experience to pull from to get you through. I feel like I'm just going to be like holding back tears the entire time of this conversation. I identify with that so much. I remember in the first, you know, couple of years of my business, if I didn't get a sale from an email, if I posted on my Instagram story, so excited about an offer and someone didn't sign up right away, I would make it mean something about me. And so for you to say it's a failed business, you yourself are not a, not a failure. I just think it's so important for any entrepreneur to really take that to heart and carry that with them on their journey, because otherwise it can just be so heartbreaking and painful when things don't end up going your way. And inevitably, they're not always going to go your way. This is a hard journey. That's why there's a very small percentage of people that actually stick around and do it. And even smaller percentage of people that are able to get past the million dollar mark, let alone eight figures or nine figures. And so that mental resilience, and I know that you kind of speak about it as like bulletproofing yourself, is what I believe to be one of the most important qualities that we develop if we desire to be successful. Yes, you have done your homework. That's exactly what I call it, uh, bulletproofing, because if you put, it's not that I don't feel the shock. When you have on a bulletproof vest, it's not there that you don't feel it. It just doesn't go through. So it may I'm going to pause and it hits me too when things don't work out, but it doesn't get through, doesn't penetrate, doesn't get in my mind. I'm not thinking about it day and night. It comes, take that out. Okay, I'm good. On to the next, because that is a resilience that you have to build up on this journey. And there are so many people, even in your audience, that are called to do great things and be very wealthy. I mean, let's just get it out there. But the problem, there you go. But the problem is they're not dressed properly, bulletproof. No, too many people have access. Too many people, they allow to speak into their heart. Too many people, they allow their opinions 
and they, and they're letting opinions of people who have not done it don't understand what they're doing it to resonate in their life. There was a period and my mother is my best friend. I couldn't tell her everything about the business because she wanted to protect me while I knew I needed to go higher. So there was something she could not protect me from. And mm -hmm. I understood that. So there's mm -hmm. some conversations you can't have with everybody because some people will be like, yep, I told you it wasn't going to work. I don't even know why you even tried it. Why are you talking to them? You already know that's what they're going to say. And you know, you got a weakness. Oh, the vest is not on the heart the way it should be. So we got to be very careful. Even with family, you got to wear that vest. Can't let it in. Don't receive it. Because if you don't get that part right, it's going to be hard for you to believe the thing that I even just said. There are people who are really called to do big things, great things, and be financially very well off because who's going to teach the next generation? Who's going to be the one to come and speak about it? It's got to be you because there's mm -hmm. going to come a day. You're talking about the Instagram stories and all of that. Well, I'm not native to that. You are. But there's going to come a day. There's going to be something else in the hologram world. And you're going to be talking about Instagram stories. And they're going to look at you like, what is she talking about? But the resiliency of sticking with it to be able to move through the times to still be relevant is why they need to hear that from mm. you. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, already I'm like scared to go on TikTok because of how all, all of Gen Z makes fun of millennials. And I'm like... <gasps> Okay. I got to You got to do it though. You've got to adapt. You have to adapt. And even if that's not something where I feel the most passionate, I'm still going to show up and I'm going to figure it out because that's part of the game. And that's part of what makes it fun too. And interesting. Yeah. Um, I'm, ex I'm, I'm curious on your journey first to seven figures or when you're supporting your clients going from six to seven figures or maybe seven to eight figures, what were the best experiences that you had? And it doesn't even necessarily have to be like positive experiences, but the experiences that you needed in order to learn the most and grow the most as an entrepreneur. So when, when I talk about those kind of things, I'm going to give you personal experience because that hits the deepest and the hardest. So the best experience of my life which was also the lowest point of my life was being audited by the IRS, going to seven figures. Now, why was that the best experience of my life? I couldn't sleep. I, I could barely eat. And I, I didn't know what I was gonna do, but my banker told me, you, you're gonna have to hire an accounting firm. So why was it the best experience? Because it got me in tip top financial position to understand what was coming. It was no way I would have gotten to nine figures if I didn't have that because I didn't grow up with that background. So I didn't have anyone in my family who um, who knew anything about the financial piece of business. We all knew some business stuff. We didn't really practice the financials because nobody had seen the, the money I was seeing as a business owner. So to get that, and even the auditor said to me, she said, this is going to be one of the most painful experiences. She said, but I can tell you're going to rise from this and do extremely great things. 
and you will never have to worry about this again. My auditor told me that because mm -hmm. I'd be panicking. I almost wanted to pass out. And then when I got affirmed, they took it over. They made her come to their office. They took all of that worry off of me so I could concentrate. But the lesson was long lasting and impactful. Mm, wow. I mean, I think that there's so much to pick apart from that. The mm -hmm. first thing that I want to point out to everybody is that you were given this opportunity to see where there were potential energy leaks, as I like to call them, that would have prevented you from being able to hold and sustain the nine-figure mark and not have any issues. These were the things that needed to be cleaned up and organized in order for you to get to that next level. And I think that, you know, I know for myself, I, I really resonate. Like I don't, I don't, I didn't come from money. My family and I were homeless when I was a teenager. And so I had to do all of the financial learning. There was no financial literacy embedded in my, or business um, savviness embedded in my system when I started my business. So I really had to go first and lean in. And there were a lot of things that I needed to clean up. And once I clean those things up, more abundance came. And once I started cleaning up more things, more abundance came. And I really do believe that there are certain things practical that we need to do in order for the abundance to come and for us to get to our next level. And again, be able to hold it because we don't want to make nine figures and then lose it all. We want to be able to make nine figures and sustain it and be able to spread the wealth. And so I love that that was a piece of it. Um, and then the other piece of it is the delegation knowing that there are other people, and it sounds like that's one of your themes, knowing mm -hmm. that there are other people who can step in and do an incredible job so that you can lean back and be in your expertise and be in your, in, in, in the thing that only you can do. Yes. So for me to walk in my genius, my gift, um, I need other people, but my take is a little different. Very interesting because a lot of people, when you ask that question, they're automatically going to answer you with their team, how they delegate it to their internal team. I'm going to answer you with how I delegated, delegated to two groups, my external partners, which were my vendors. They took on my fulfillment because that was not my, I was not a subject matter expert in fulfillment. That was not my core competency. And that was an energy vampire in my life. I was losing money, losing time and losing sleep. And I couldn't focus on the things that generated and continuously generated the revenue for the business. So I hired a third party um, fulfillment center. It's called a 3PL. So I hired a 3PL. Then I outsourced the stuff. So I've been outsourcing before it was popular to outsourcing. I knew what my wheelhouse, my core competency was, and I outsourced partners. And it saved me a lot of money. So when I got to the core team, we were small. So the good thing I did, so the, the second thing, I'm going to answer that. I also use partnership with independent consultants. I shared percentage, I share 50-50 of the profits with them. They got 50%, we kept 50%. And then I paid them commission on top of that. So I needed to know exactly what my margins were. So I had to lean into associations to learn really quickly. That's why I'm a believer in coaches. I'm a believer in organizations because 
I needed to collapse the curve. I didn't have time to be on this long, figure it all out by myself. So I had mm. to collapse that curve down and figure out how should I price my product to be profitable? A lot of people in my jewelry space only price it double. Well, you, you can't get a building with that. You can't build any wealth with a double. You need to know the percentages. So once I learned that, I could then partner with my own independent consultants. And once I did that with the 3PL, we took off. Then you say, okay, the third component for me was the staff. And, and, and I'm going to tell you, and I'm going to tell all your listeners, that, it all, that has always been the most challenging part of my business and most businesses is getting mm -hmm. Now, if that's the most challenging part of a business, then I had to figure out, I can't let this affect my revenue. So that's why I moved differently. Because it would have, if that's the most challenging and that's the most the thing I have to depend on, then it was going to affect my revenue. I could not afford that. So that's why I outsourced here and I partnered here. And they, in the middle, I read an old school book, The E-Myth. I mean, it's on its like 10th edition probably today, but I mm -hmm. learned how to do more with less people. And so I could always see if they were sitting in the right seat on the bus I was never a compassionate hirer. I didn't play. You didn't have it. I didn't I didn't play, but I was a compassionate keeper, which meant that I kept you way too long past the point when you should have gone. So that's my lesson too, to to you as a young woman and to your uh, audience. Don't be a compassionate keeper. If they need to go, get them off. Either find the right space, as Malcolm Gladwell says, uh, find, you know, putting the right people on the bus, Make sure if they don't fit on the bus, kick them off. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They got to go. It's okay. Because if they found a better opportunity, they jump off your bus. So those mm -hmm. are the things that we have to look at. So my perspective is a little different when it comes to um, prioritizing how we delegate. And then the real secret that I'm, I'm going to give them a secret. When you're at eight figures going to nine, let me tell you something. You're not chilling on the beach. Everybody's just not running the business and you sitting back. Let me tell you, I was an expert. I knew most of the things. I could see where the money would be, what was lost, because I knew how to do most of the things. That's the piece the entrepreneurs miss. They think they can delegate that out. Well, there were certain things I had to, the financial piece, but my eyes were on it. Back then, we signed checks. I signed every check. Because I had someone move money that they should have never touched. So you have to learn how to lock down systems. Everybody doesn't deserve full access to everything. Mm -hmm. That was yeah. a whole mouthful and a train. I love it. Yeah, no, I, I love it. And I think it's so important because whether you're at that point or not, these are the things that you want to think about. And like you said, collapse the curve. That's why I, I too believe so much in coaching and mentorship and always say that was the thing that changed my business because yeah, I'm pretty smart. I will say that, but a lot of things I don't like, you don't know what you don't know and you can figure it out, but I would much rather have somebody that I can walk alongside who's going to show me the ropes and who's going to say, uh, no, that's not the smartest move. And to be real with you because they've walked that path before you. Um, when you talk about team and when you talk about hiring out for people who maybe are a little bit earlier on, let's say that they're in the six figure mark or just about to hit six figures. And they're kind of at that point where they've been a solopreneur, but they want to take it to the next level. 
When do you think, or what's your advice for bringing on somebody and what, like, when is the right time to bring somebody on and what would you prioritize going back to day one for yourself? I think that, um, the priority would be not in the order I actually did it. So looking back, what would the main priority be? I, I think one thing I did right, which worked very well, I realized early on that I did not want to run fulfillment. So that was the right move for me. So for example, if you have someone who's just about to hit the six figures and they're selling t-shirts, product-based kind of thing. And now they're thinking, okay, I need to get a warehouse and set up my pick, pack and ship. And now if they have a brick and mortar and want to do fulfillment in the back, then that's how you start. And then, so you already know what the priority is. You need to get someone to help you do pick, mm -hmm. pack and ship. Based on what you're actually doing will help you. If you're doing a lot of things online and you're you're running your business on IG and your DMs for me, like now, I, I'm, I'm rarely in my DMs because my DMs are all business. So I mm -hmm. hire someone to work the DMs and they mm -hmm. come tell you who they are and give you, because I used to have all the little bots and all this kind of stuff. So now I have real people in there talking to answer questions. So that was the hire. There is no one way to get there, to know what your hire should be. If you're not answering your emails fast enough, then that should be your hire. Your first hire is a part-time VA. Why part-time? Well, you don't know if you need full-time. I'm never about wasting money. I'm going to hire a VA. And when I say part-time, I'm talking 15 hours a week. That's part-time to me. Mm -hmm. And then we'll go up to 20. So I'm going to take the least amount and that's how I'm going to hire. But I'm always going to hire to the need. That was good. You you, you just gave me something. If, boy, if I can take notes myself, because that I'm going to teach to that. Hire mm -hmm. to the need. I, excuse me. I'm sorry. Yeah, was, no, you take the note because I, yeah. I want to just riff on that for a second because I think it's so important that you were transparent with sharing. It's different for every business. There's no one answer. There's no one right person. And there's also no one right time. It's not like, oh, you've hit you know, your first year of business, now it's time to get your VA. And again, I just think that there's a lot of mental constructs that we as business owners, especially in the beginning stages, when you're not necessarily used to staying in your lane, will experience whether it's, oh, you know, this person that I bought a training from told me that I need to hire this person. Or I remember one of my mentors, she didn't hire anybody on her team until she was making over a million dollars, but that was her business. And so it's so important for anybody listening to this to know that it is individual and that all of our needs are going to be based upon our own strengths, the velocity of the business, and really where we desire to see support and fill in the gaps that we're not able to address as we grow. So I love that you said that. Um, so going back to, to retail, because I like, I'm, I, I joke with my friends. I'm like, I'm a retail mogul now. I've sold, uh, I've sold 50 hats and 30 sweatshirts. I'm a retail mogul. And 
I, so I'm looking at my shipping labels over there, my little FedEx, cute little bags and my sweatshirts. And it was meant to always be an extension of my online brand and my information based brand for our community to be able to wrap and kind of be brand awareness out into the world. But it's also something that I love and I love being creative. I love the design process. I love actually holding a physical product after having worked in the online space for the entirety of my career. And I'm curious where you see most retail or product-based businesses fail. Mm. Oh my gosh. You, you know, that, that is such a, an amazing loaded question that I think people <laughs> ask that maybe they wouldn't ask that because it is so good and loaded. Okay. So this is how I would answer that. It's usually on inventory. People mm. live in they die on the hill of inventory. I don't care how great it is. They overorder. And then if, let me, let me tell you the appetite of people. People also in, in product, I was a product-based business, soft goods. So you've got soft good category, hard good, and you have consumable categories. So I'm in soft goods and what you're talking about is soft goods. So we have to have inventory and our inventory is not consumable in the way a vitamin is consumable. So when I talk about consumables, I'm talking about makeup, vitamins, anything that's consumed and has to be reordered. Fabulous. So for us to really get there and I'm proof we can get there and there's many other people who are proof we can get there, but we have to be very smart about how we house inventory and be very smart about how we order. And we can't order to the desire of the people because their desires will change. The appetites mm -hmm. change. So you've got to know, okay, based on my own historical of the last three months, always looking back in the spring season, they like this kind of product and this is the shelf life. Well, what if I run out? Well, if you do, then you order more and you can get pre-orders so that you can count it. The key is never over order and say, I'm just going to be ready for the holidays because it could sit there. And then you're selling it all at a discount. And it's what you paid for without the uh, the cost to bring it in. And I always think about that because I brought goods in from China. So there was always a landed cost for everything. So even if you're buying it all in the US and you're buying it wherever, there is a landed cost of what that product actually cost you. Not the wholesale price you pay for the materials, but the full landed cost. You have to keep it in mind. Products mm -hmm. is where I see people live and die, not have enough and have no means to even get more and don't have a system in place to have. Um, I had a system. I knew how long it would take. I knew at what point they should be ordered. So you have to be extremely. So I own franchises so I could learn systems. I didn't have anybody to teach me. So I bought three franchises and it taught me how to operate a system. And I implemented systems, processes, and everything I did from that point on. So that's where I see entrepreneurs really either imploding, they get big orders and have no money to fill it and can't live up to it, they're gone. Woman had a big order from Southwest, all in the newspapers, everything, and she went out of business, had no way to fulfill it. Mm. Those things can happen. And then if you have inventory and you're always just selling it off, well, then everybody's going to always wait for your sale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, you're going to have your sale. You got to, you got too much. 
So they're not even going to buy anymore. Now you're training them to the sale. I I, I never had sales. I mm-hmm. never had sales. I was never training people to the sales. I'd keep it and give it away as some kind of special bonus or put it in a package before I would just put it on sale. Mm, yeah, I think, you know, you know, that goes for information-based businesses as well, too. I remember when I first started working with an agency to support me with marketing and launching, they shared with me, you know, how you can train your or how you do train your audience to expect early bird pricing or to expect discounts. And the more that we do that and the more consistently that happens over years, where's the urgency for somebody to sign up if they know that they could just wait until the next time you launch it for the better price? And that was really I mean, it was it was revolutionary for me because I was under the assumption of, ooh, that's the way to get people in the door quickly. But I didn't realize that I was setting myself up to have people not move because they just knew that down the road they could get the program for cheaper. And so I love that you brought that up because it really is so um, it can it can be translated whether you have a product based business or not. And even speaking, I I just got a a speaking request and I sent them my fee and they said, oh, you know, we really want you. Let's talk about it. It's not in our budget. This is a major corporation. And when she hit me, her what she could afford in her budget of this billion dollar company was not even 30 percent of what my cost is. So what did I do? I walked away and said, hey, when your budget gets here, you let me know, because Mm. if I go down. I'm setting a precedent, not only with them, but for anybody else they talk to about me. Yeah, that's what that's just on paper. That's not really what she's going to charge. You have to know who you are and your value. Mm. That. You know, one of the things that I love about you, and I think that's why earlier in the conversation, I was like holding my heart, trying to uh, hold back tears is. Yes, you have these systems, these processes. You are so brilliant as it relates to the the numbers and money and how to actually scale these incredibly impressive businesses. But you're also a God girl and you're very spiritual and I can feel that from you. And so I would love to hear going back to just like that, that last statement that you said, like you have to know yourself and know your value. What is your relationship with this like, blend of business and God and spirituality, because this is something that has been important to me from the very beginning. And I think that it's also kind of a superpower too. It is. And that is my true authentic self. When I am at my very best, I am free to move spiritually. It doesn't mean that I'm on here talking about God, but I'll give him the space to even talk. That's why you and I didn't talk about questions. You sent me no questions. And I trusted that I would have what your audience needed because I always, my prayer is that that God use, stir up everything, all the gifts so that they will come out and be a help and benefit. And I call it my business tree. So that's me mm-hmm. doing business. I love it. Together, I've been doing business tree for over 34 years. Mm. In the process of building a business and gaining success. 
we all know the examples of people who lose themselves along the way. And there have been moments, even in my journey, where I've seen the shiny objects and I've focused in on them and I've forgotten aspects of my heart and have had to come back and remember who I am and remember why I'm doing what I'm doing and the real values of what I'm creating and why I got into this in the first place. What is your advice for somebody who? this is going to be twofold. Someone who maybe has felt disconnected from their heart in, in, on their journey, but then also maybe the person who's scared of their success because of what they societally have seen to happen to people that gain success and maybe are greedy or don't necessarily have the most the highest alignment of how they use their money. Cause I hear that a lot from people, especially beginning, they're scared of who they'll become and that they might be a bad person or that they'll suddenly become greedy once they get money. Yeah. And so those are extremely valid. I mean, I remember in my, my, my twenties when I was 25 and I made the first million, um, it honestly did go to my head. And I just, I just remember believing my own press by the time I was 25 and 26, and by the time I was 27, I lost it all. So I was clear about my press. I wasn't all that I thought I was. And once I really decided, I made a decision, God, I'm going to go with you and I am going to be your yielded distribution center. If you keep getting it through me, just keep getting it to me. I promise you can get it through me. You get it to me, then it'll it'll serve how you want it to serve. Because money, and this is what people are fearful of. People think, you know, oh, money is the root of all evil. No, it's the love of money. And money is neither good or bad. It's the person who's using it, uses it for good or bad. So I was clear. I was clear on where my superpowers really came from. I was clear how I knew things when I went into meetings that nobody told me, but yet I I knew. How did I know? I didn't know. It was just the insight that I was provided. So I just let myself be a vessel and see the hand of God in every area work. And I never turned away from that. And even for me, uh, you know, going to service every week is important and I'm there. So I am, I am immersed in that world as well as I am over here doing business and I have not lost sight of it. That's why when people really read into my story, if they know me for a while, they're always shocked because I don't come off that way. I don't come off high-minded, too full of myself. I come off with a heart open and ready to serve. And there's no way I could do that if God wasn't the one who empowers me. So I'm the distribution center. I, I'm not concerned about that. I've already... Mm believed that when I was in my 20s and realized it wasn't true. And I've been on the right path ever since. Mm, beautiful. Yeah. Sometimes we need that. Honestly, I feel like I needed that. And had I not had that in my own life, then, you know, I would have lost it all and I wouldn't be where I am today. So I love also just your transparency and sharing that because I think it's easy also for people to see where you are now and say, ah, oh, she's got it all figured out. She's done it. She doesn't have any problems. She hasn't had any issues. And to know, know you're a human being 
Uh, we're all flawed human beings. We've had our ups, we've had our downs. And, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of this conversation, the downs, the failure are there for the process of becoming and, and really being able to strengthen who we are. Um, before I go any further, I want to open the floor for anybody in the conversation to ask any questions of Tracy. And Tracy, one of the reasons why I'm so excited for you to be on this show is that not only do you have a book, all about becoming an icon, be an icon now, but you have programs, masterminds, and experiences and coaching all about stepping into your icon, iconic energy. And I obviously love that. But something that I think is interesting, and again, for anybody that's listening, feel free to type any questions into the chat, is this word icon, to claim it, can sometimes feel a bit high and mighty. It can feel bold. It can be, it can feel really big. I love it. I like, I love, I think about icons throughout all of time and just the energy of what it means to be an icon is what I resonate with most. And so I would love to just hear your experience, why the word icon, why grooming and creating these icons is part of your purpose and your gifts and your genius right now. And um, I'm also so excited to hear about your book. Yes. So for me, when I was in the trenches of building this particular business uh, in direct sales, so I was in the direct sales space and there had only been one other woman, Madam C.J. Walker, a hundred years ago doing it the way I was doing it. And then me. So Madam C.J. Walker and Tracy Lynn, that is iconic. And then not to just do it, but to do it Big And of course, I mean, Madam, she was a millionaire back in 1915 for a black woman. And then today for me to do it and then just take that. And I read everything I could get my hands on, but I could not talk to her. So I talked to her granddaughters. I talked to everybody. But I wanted and I and I knew this by the grace of God that I was doing something historical. I even told my sales people, we're making history here. We're making it. Now, people didn't believe it, but I knew it. And so I knew that there, if I would just stay the course, not get off course, not look to the left, to the right, not get into who doesn't like it, who's against me, who's trying to stop me. If I just stay focused on what I had to do when I came out of this, it would have been an iconic journey. Mm. It was. And so now I'm reaching back, trying to help other uh, people who are on an iconic journey. Take a moment, ground yourself, because you're making history here. And then this is how icons are made. You do have to understand where you are in the journey, but this is ultimately where you're going. Those are my protégés. And so I give them the advice. I, I can tell them right where they are, what's happening. And they just can't even believe that I know it because I lived it. And it's a huge word. It's a huge word. And there's responsibility with that word. Because just like you said, all the people who've done great things, but yet you resonate with that word because these are iconic events, moments, um, these podcasts and lives that, that you're doing. These are helping the future icons get where they're going. And it is a huge word, but it is something that you really have to step into and graciously accept it. Mm. So beautifully said. To me, it feels 
like an invitation into also knowing yourself and, 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 and letting, and, and seeing yourself, you know, seeing yourself, seeing your heart, seeing your vision, seeing your creativity. And especially for women, we're in a world where we're not really set up to see ourselves fully. And if we do, we're looked at as bitchy or bossy um, or full of ourselves. And so to me, it's also like such a reclamation mm -hmm. and it really is rebellious as well to stand up and say, you know what, I am where I am right now, but I know where I'm going and I'm going to believe in it fully and I'm going to stay in my lane. And to me, it's, it's, it's been a very hard journey but it's also so beautiful. And I'm sure you also feel this way where it's like, I've gone, I've come so far and I'm just getting started. Exactly the same way. Exactly. I've come so far, but yet I'm just getting started, especially for me on this new side of the journey. I've guess I've got so much to give, so much to share. And yeah, I feel that way. And, and unfortunately, sometimes we do get that bad rap, but I, I can't, I can't be worried about that. I, I can't control how other people are going to think or feel. I just have to do what I'm called to do and stay in that and make sure I'm supported with other people who believe the same collaborative driven women who are all on that same path. That's what mm. I always look for. Mm. Yes. I always say people are going to judge you either way. They're going to, they have an opinion about you, whether you're taking up space or you're not taking up space. So you exactly. better take up that space. Take up that space and get your money. That's what I say. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I love it. I love it. So what types of businesses are you really working with and like who comes into your world? The icon, of course, but I would love to know a little bit deeper. And for anybody listening who is like on the edge of their seats, leaning into this conversation, like I want to work with Dr. Tracy. What are the types of businesses that you support? I imagine it's a wide variety since you have so much perspective and so much experience, but who is like the ideal icon to enter your world? And so the, the wonderful thing is it's, it's not industry specific. Um, it's usually when they come into the icon circle, that's a coaching program for six figure entrepreneurs, seven, and especially moving close into the sevens and eights, because those issues at that, at that level are different than going into a six. These are full time, 100% all in entrepreneurs, usually a staff and they really benefit from my perspective. And I coach them every single week on a call. They have access to me on, uh, you know, they, they have a, a way to contact me at any time with questions. So that is, that is such a protege mentoring relationship, but I really need them there because at that level, we're not talking, should I have an LLC? Those are not the questions at that level. Those questions are, okay, I just got uh, hit with a lawsuit. Which way do I go? Do I call this mm. attorney or that attorney? Or uh, this is happening. How should I proceed? Or I want to market this way and then I can guide. So that's what I love about it. I don't have to do it in one area. It's, just, it's those kind of questions that I am extremely familiar with. And then I can help them. I have one one student, um, her business was six figures something. Now she's in seven figures and now she's going, um, she wants to get to eight figures, but we're going to get her halfway there. So she went, 
She did a, an event and did a 1.2 million that day. I came to the event. I came for no charge for her because I wanted to see her make a million dollars in one day. And we mm. got we got $1.2 million that day. So I flew out there. I came out there. I supported her in that event. She got her 1.2. So now we're, you know, putting five times on it for this year. And so because I know what the goal is, I'm constantly pushing. And then I'm offering other ways that she hasn't even thought about to get her comfortably and beyond to that number. So that's what I do for the icon circle. So it's an application process. You really got to be there. After one conversation, I know if you're just telling me you made six or seven, because I got three questions I can ask and I already know what you're really yeah. And so that's the icon circle. And I want to be a benefit because that's not a that's not a, a, a inexpensive coaching program. So I want it to be a major benefit. Like you can't, yeah, I want it to be a painkiller, not just a vitamin for you. I wanted to get that thing, whatever's pounding in your head, get it out and let's get to the goal. Now then, because I have so many amazing women who are not even at six figures or just getting to early six figures, I started my big dog academy. And uh, that's bigdogwolf.com. Actually, we're launching uh, tomorrow. So it's community-based. And then I do a live uh, call for them and they get to answer questions and all that, which I'm going to do tomorrow. But I started that because one of the, the gifts I have is community. I know how to work community like nobody's business. That's what I did. So I'm bringing them into this collaborative community and then supporting them in that business and giving them exactly what they need in that environment to get to the six figure, mid six. And then I'm going to graduate them into the icon circle. Yes, there is a, a method to it. And 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 absolutely, I will say that there is my selfish side is that I want to groom them to be the icon. So I'm going to mm. groom them in the Big Dog Academy and I'm going to move them right on up to the icon circle. Mm. It's so, I mean, from a business perspective, obviously it's brilliant. And also I think from a service perspective too, it really leaves no one out of the room. And yeah. you know what's interesting? I'll share this real quick and I'm curious your take on this. I, I think you're going to uh, have a similar sentiment as I do. Just hearing your journey, but also having other icons on the show, one of the biggest common denominators that I see with people who are massively successful, who have been able to scale really quickly and are, I mean, are, they're really leading the way, is their ability to connect community. There is something to be said about it that I have just started. I mean, not really. I, I've started cracking the code in person. I've been building community online for years. And I do believe that that's part of why my business has had the success that it has. And now I'm like, all right, in person, we're all able to actually connect with each other again. So I feel like a baby from the in-person perspective, but mm -hmm. the community aspect, I think that that's like one of the keys to success is really knowing how to create community, connect community and leverage community. What are your thoughts on that? 100%, 100%, 100%. Um, I will tell you this one without, no doubt, 100% of the reason we were able to sell $100 million in fashion jewelry that most of the price point was $50 and below is because of the community. Mm. It was because of the sales force. And they were volunteer community. They, you, 
There was no contract. They're independent consultants. So if you can leverage and move the community. So I was doing affiliate commission sales when there was no thing as ambassadors and affiliates. So if you can learn to leverage that with the right amount of heart and the right amount of business and the right amount of inspiration, oh, you've cracked the code. Mm. Right when you were speaking, I was like, that's why we have the saying, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. I went together. A hundred thousand yeah. people gets a hundred million dollars. You see? Wow. So yeah. there, there it is. And that's how we did it. That's how we did it. So that's what I'm teaching now in the big dog community. So yeah, how to level, how to work that. And they're going to see it with their own eyes because I'm going to, I'm doing it right in front of their face too. Yeah. And I think that that's so valuable. And I was reflecting on this earlier today before we hopped on this call. One of the benefits of even being mentored or coached by someone who has really figured out the systems, the processes, and has like their way of doing it that is validated and success successful is that you get a front row seat to see how they do it all on a far deeper level than just looking at their Instagram stories or looking at their YouTube videos or going to a talk that they host. It's so valuable to actually have that backstage pass. You know, you're dropping so many nuggets and gems. I'm over here typing too. I mean, we, you are bringing out so many good things. You bring out the best of me. I like you. Uh, I, yeah. You know, my <laughs> well, we have to connect after that. <laughs> oh my gosh. I love talking to you. Oh, the this first is time why I ever did this. Oh, I love that. That yeah. that makes me so happy. And you know, this is also why I don't prep questions because there is an aliveness happening between us that yeah. could only be co-created in this moment. It could only be inspired in this moment. And so I just have to say thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so grateful for your time, truly honored that you said yes, and just so excited to see your expansion into the coaching space even further and speaking and all of the different things that you have set your sights on continue to explode. Because like I said at the beginning, just being in your energy is moving. And so for anybody here that either wants to join your academy, wants to apply for your icon circle, excuse me, circle, or just wants to follow you on Instagram, where can we find you? At uh, Dr. Tracy Lynn. So that's um, Tracy, T-R-A-C-I-L-Y-N-N. I've got on a green suit, blue check and wild hair. So they will find me there on Instagram. And for the uh, big dog, uh, Academy is bigdogwolf.com for that. And the icon circle is by application. So you can DM me uh, icon and then my team, they're in there and they'll start working. Mm, beautiful. Dr. Tracy Lynn, thank you so much. This has been such mm -hmm. a phenomenal conversation and I'm so excited to just hear everyone's feedback from watching the replay. Thank you again for coming on. Thank you. Let's stay in touch. You were yes. wonderful. You did an outstanding job. One of my favorite hosts. Oh, really thank you. I received that. I appreciate yes. that so much. Yes. <laughs> thank you again. Have a good thank day. Thank you. Right. Bye everyone. Bye.